Dr. Tom Cowan is a visionary in alternative medicine with decades of experience in natural and alternative healing. He's a best-selling author six times over. Welcome to the show, Tom. Thanks. Good to be here. Excited to have you on. Tell us a little about your personal lives, more about your work and why you do what you do. I live in uh, upstate New York with have a small little farm, mostly vegetables and uh, fruit, raise chickens, have some goats and a bunch of cats. Uh, why do what I do? It seems obvious that somebody has to tell the truth about medicine and biology. And while I don't pretend to know what always is true, I focus on what isn't true. <laughs> and hopefully if you do enough of that, uh, then you figure out what uh, all these things that are claimed aren't true. So then you're left with wondering what actually is going on here. Was there that, a by the way, Go ahead. is one of the biggest revelations of my life is that you don't actually need to know what is true to investigate whether something is true. And in fact, I would actually go so far as to say the essence of science is the investigation of claims and the attempt to falsify claims. Somebody says this causes this or ribosomes are where protein is made in the cells. And you can investigate whether that's true without knowing where the protein is made. Just like the example I used, if you ever look into why there's clouds and how there's rain, it's very complicated because the water is heavier than the air and why the water clouds float around. Somebody comes along and says, I know why there's rain. It's elephants floating around in the sky. And when they pee down, that's what we get rain. So what you what I would do then is ask how high up are the elephants? How many elephants? What's the density? Are they normal size elephants, et cetera? Not that I would believe them, but I want to know what the details of that claim. Then I would get in a helicopter or an airplane, go up. If I didn't see a single elephant, I would then know that it's not elephants that cause rain. And I still don't know why there's rain, but I know it's not elephants. And by the way, that's how I came to the understanding that nobody has shown that this thing called a virus actually exists. Doesn't mean I know why people get sick, although I have a pretty good idea. Uh, but I, but the claim is there's a thing called a virus. It makes people sick. And that claim is easily uh, proven to be false. Please tell me how. Well, there's there's five principles of virology uh if if you go through the history the first is that uh with the first one is the only one that people actually can see for themselves which is the claim that sick people make well people sick in other words you go around somebody who has a cold or the flu and you get the cold or your child gets chicken pox etc uh with by being around somebody else chicken pox and so the principle that underlies this whole claim is that sick people make well people sick, right? You agree with that? Yes. So it turns out it's a little more complicated because, uh, for instance, if you put 
uh, a bunch of rats in a basement and then the neck and somebody puts rat poison and the next day 10 rats all have the same symptoms right in other words people or animals with the same symptoms in the same place proves that they passed it from one to the other right okay that's the claim so the 10 rats all bleed to death and that's because they ate the rat poison next day 20 more rats ate the rat poison they're all dead Next day, all 80 or so uh, eat the rat poison. So same symptoms, same time, same place. Clearly, it isn't because one rat made the other sick, right? Yes. So you, so same with scurvy. For hundreds of years, they would see one sailor after another get sick. And they said it was something being passed from one sailor to the next. So they quarantined them and they all died. And then somebody gave them a lemon and they got better because they had scurvy. So the, when you're in a situation like that, where you cannot tell from your observation, whether there's some common exposure or something else happening, or whether it in fact is the sick people making other people sick, you have to do a scientific study, right? You have to do a study where every condition is the same and you do controls, et cetera. And I am here to tell you and your audience that myself and probably 20 other researchers, medical doctors, scientists have looked through the medical literature to find one paper that's properly done that shows that sick people make well people sick. And I can confidently say that it is a fact that no such paper exists, not one. In fact, there are probably hundreds, but I know of at least 20 going back to the Spanish flu, where they had people with the Spanish flu cough in, in the face of well people and stick snot up their nose and all the rest of it. Not one got the Spanish flu. They proved that the most deadly so-called infectious disease ever was not actually contagious proved it so until somebody shows me a proper study showing that sick people make well people sick it is a fact that that is not true whether you like it or believe it or not so that's the first foundation of virology so then they took even though that i mean i don't know why anybody would investigate further but they did, and they took the filterable portion. In other words, let's say you had a polio, right? They said it was infectious disease. They took the spine of some child who had polio. They ground it up, and they filtered it, and they said the liquid part is where this agent is. And so they exposed that to different animals and different people. Not one got sick. And then they proved that polio was a transmissible agent by taking that filterable part, right? You with me? They ground up the spine, filtered it, got all the liquid, injected that into the brain of two different monkeys, didn't do a control. One monkey died, the other got paralyzed. That proved that polio was a transmissible disease. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't prove anything to me, except monkeys don't like to be injected in their brains with unspecified goop from somebody who's sick. 
right? And then, so that's step two. No study has ever showed that the filterable part of a sick person makes any animal or person sick. And when I, when I talk like this, I, I'm not interested in actually people's opinion. Well, I don't think you're right. I, I They need to send me this study that shows that that's true. And after four years, and all, uh, as you say, all the people criticizing me, yet we still don't have a study. Now, the next one is, well, but Tom, they've isolated these viruses, right? There's 10,000 papers uh, that the title is the isolation of herpes virus, HIV, SARS-CoV-2, measles, smallpox, etc. How can you say it's not? Well, the question is, how did they isolate it? Now, let me just walk you through this quickly. If I said to you, George, I want you to uh, prove that there's a hammer and what, and then show me what it's made of and what it does. So the first step is you have to go and get the hammer, right? So my guess is you'd go to the place, I call it the ecosystem, where you would expect to find a hammer, like a toolbox, right? You look in there, you pull out the hammer, and now you have only the hammer. Then you can do an analysis, find out what it's made of. Then you can bang a nail and see if the nail goes in, right? Then you can do a control. You can do like this with your arm and see if the nail goes in, and probably it won't because you don't have the hammer. You can do that with a frog. Do you know if there's a frog, you go to a pond, you fish out the frog, you have only a frog, and then you can dissect the frog, find out what it's made of, see if it eats flies, whatever. You Best to do that before you kill the frog. So, so that is how we understand isolation, separation of one thing from all other things. That is the first step in letting you analyze it and find out what it does. You with me? Yes. Okay. It is a fact confirmed by CDC, NIH, Robert Koch Institute, et cetera, that not once in the history of the last 120 years has any vi thing that would be called a virus, any physical entity, been isolated in the way I just described from any uh, fluid or tissue of any animal, plant, or person. And everybody agrees with that. You cannot go to the a chickenpox lesion, the snot from somebody with COVID, so-called, the measles, mucus, HIV, lymph node, whatever, and find the virus there. And everybody agrees. Even though you can find things that size and that complexity and even smaller. So it's not a it's not a technical problem. And when you ask them, why can't you find it in the place where you say it is? They say, well, Tom, there's not enough to find. And then they turn around and say, there's 100 million in a sneeze. 
So how many do you have to have in order to find it in your lungs? They don't know. So the question then is if they've never isolated it like that, which is, as, as we said, the first step in studying a hammer, you don't take the toolbox and grind it up and say, now you know what a hammer is made of, right? That's ridiculous. So what they do is they take snot from somebody who's sick. They put that on a cell culture. They don't filter it. They don't centrifuge it. They don't purify anything. They put that on growing cells. They add antibiotics, which are poisonous to the cells. They take away the food that's that the cells used to grow on. They add calf, fetal calf serum, which is sucked out from the heart of a newborn calf. And then if the cells die, they say they have isolated a virus. Now, I don't know if you heard what I just said, but that is a goofy definition. And when we did a control, because so, they don't do a control, because they can't, because they can't do the same thing without the virus, because they say they can't find the virus. So we did a control. We did the, all those steps, cell culture, antibiotics, fetal calf serum, take away the nutrients, but we didn't add anything from anybody who was sick and the cells died proving there's a virus, even though there was nothing from a virus anywhere. And all we've done is ask them, show me a paper that has that level of controls and there is no paper. So that's step three. Step four is they say they have electron microscope pictures, but there are paper after paper showing the breakdown of kidney cells and lung cells and all different other kind of tissue, which look exactly like the pictures they say are viruses, meaning nobody has ever shown that an electron microscope picture is actually a virus. So that's number four. Number five is they say they have the genome of the virus. But I ask you, how do you know you have the genome, this nucleic acids, DNA and RNA, came from something which you've never seen? If, I, if you go out in the woods and find a piece of a toenail and you say that's from an invisible flying unicorn, somebody would ask you, can you show me the unicorn and show me that that toenail came from the unicorn and only the unicorn? And you would say, no, you have to, you have to trust me that it's only from a unicorn. <laughs> Why should I trust you that it's only from a unicorn? You have to show the unicorn first and they've never shown the virus. So they have no idea that a, a, quote, virus even has a genome. How would you know it has a genome if you've never actually had a pure virus in the first place? So anyways, those are the five steps. Uh, is after four years, nobody has proved any of those steps to be incorrect. Therefore, whether anybody believes it, likes it, accepts it or not, it is a fact that there is... A, where we stand in November 27th, 2023, as nobody has shown the existence of a virus. Therefore, every attempt has failed. 
And therefore, we have to presume that this thing called the virus simply does not exist. They made it up. People get sick? People get sick. What causes the sickness? So, number one, I told you in the beginning that just because I know it's not a virus doesn't necessarily mean I know why they get sick. And it actually, that takes a longer explanation because so we and I, I would really encourage people. The scientific method is falsifying claims. And I can tell you, I, because I've talked to hundreds of people about this until people really wrap their mind around the fact that there is no virus. They can't understand why people get sick. And part of the reason is we have misinterpreted sickness in the first place. So let me give you an example with a question. So you get a splinter in your finger, right? You don't take it out because you don't feel like it. What happens next? You get pus, right? Is that's quote an infection, meaning a sickness? Is that pus? Is that an is that a sickness? A, or is it a therapeutic attempt by your body? The pus is a therapeutic attempt. So it's not a sickness. No, it's a response to a, something Injured. uncommon. Yes. Right. So we already have a problem that the medical profession, the people that I learned with, because I'm a medical doctor, I learned pus means infection, means bacteria, means kill it. And you can already see from that simple example that it's not so simple like that. Right. So somebody gets a cough, right? That's pus, mucus, you know, all that crappy stuff in your lungs, right? So what happened there? You put debris in your lungs, like could be cigarette smoke, could be, you know, stuff they spray in the air. Like there's lots of stuff in the air, like like in China and Northern Italy and New York City. And then what do you do? You try to cough it up. And I was taught that's a sickness called bronchitis. In fact, if you use the same thinking, and, and I would ask the question, what would you do if you were this person's body and you breathed in a bunch of toxic debris? Cough like, until it I got would out. cough it up. Right. Yes. Is that a sickness or is that the body's attempt to heal to heal? Right. Yes, it is the body's attempt to expel something that's that ought not be there. Right. So now we have a problem with bronchitis and pneumonia. Because sure. they're not actually sicknesses. So the question, what causes people to get sick is already looking funny. Uh because we we misinterpret the sickness, which is really the therapeutic response, as the problem when it's actually the solution. Now, here's the thing. If, if, if they're right and the problem is you have an infection, which, by the way, you can't prove because you've ne they've never done a study set, taking a virus, which they can't find, or a bacteria, which they can find, but if they put a pure bacteria and spray it on you, nothing happens.
And if you don't believe me, send me a study showing an isolated bacteria, which you can have, you can find, and you can culture them, has made any animal or person sick because four years and 20 researchers, we can't find it. Because that's not the role of bacteria in nature. They eat dead and dying tissue, right? That's what that's what bacteria and fungus do. You go to the, the forest, you cut down a tree, it starts rotting, the bacteria live on it. You don't say that trees have an infection. No, you don't. Right? You say that tr- the microorganisms are doing their job recycling nature. So you get some toxic influence. Could be your thoughts. It could be chemicals. It could be bad food. Could be a lot of things. Uh, it's there, you know. There's a lot of ways we can get sick. That's why it's not a straightforward question. Then your tissue breaks down, and then the bacteria come to live on the dead and dying tissue. They blame it on the bacteria, and then <clears throat> they kill the bacteria. And if I'm if I'm right, what that will lead to is the accumulation of dead tissue in your lungs. Right. Because you tried to get it out and they stopped you. And that we call cancer. Now, if you look at any culture, as soon as they adopted this so-called germ theory, which should really be renamed the disproven germ hypothesis, (laughs) uh, they then they kill the germs. So the pneumonia goes down. Right. The symptoms and the lung cancer goes way up. Every single one. Why? Because that's exactly what you would expect to happen. If you don't recycle the debris in the forest, you get a clogged up, sick, dying, dead forest full of unrotting trees. That's what happens in your lungs and in your breast and all the other places just the accumulation of toxic debris that the unfortunate uh, people who call themselves doctors because they're mistaken about the nature of illness, they misinterpret that. And every single intervention is geared towards thwarting your body's attempt to heal. That's the only thing they know. And I used to do that. I mean, I I didn't really do it because I caught on to it while I was in medical school. But I mean, that's how I was trained to think. It's ludicrous. That that that, that that's very compelling. What so about now you know why people get sick? <laughs> well, no. I know. I, I mean, they breathe. It depends. They breathe in toxic shit. Foreign something foreign enters my body that my body doesn't like, and it attempts to expel the foreign thing. And then I go to the doctor, and they give me antibiotics or something like that that then kill the bacteria that was acting in my benefit. The accumulation of dead bacteria then leads to cancer. Not dead bacteria. The bacteria you thwarted their attempt to help your body get rid of the poison. So, so now you got all stuff? this poisonous dead tissue. Okay, dead tissue. So now you do know why people get sick. I I I, I do. 
what about what about what about rabies or uh, sexually transmitted Give disease? Give me a like, definition of rabies. I I don't have a definition of rabies. I oh, neither I, does I, I, neither do the vets. Okay. So from my perspective, it is a, a a an animal. Let's say a domestic house dog that has never acted aggressively starts demonstrating foaming at the mouth. Whether they actually do that or not but very, very aggressive, abnormal behavior from the dog's perspective on the 10 years that it's lived in my house. Maybe it went out in the backyard, something happened to it, it got sick, it bites me. I then could get rabies or I go make a bad decision. I'm out at the bar down here in Old Town Scottsdale. I meet somebody, we get together, have unprotected sex. I then start to experience burning when I urinate and I've somehow contracted a sexually transmitted disease. So number one, uh, if people think that rabies is caused by a virus, which they do, then, and I have looked extensively for a study finding a particle, the thing called a rabies virus in any fluid of any animal that allegedly has rabies. And I can guarantee all my listeners out there there is no such study. Hmm. They have never found a rabies virus. They have never isolated a rabies virus. Therefore, they've never done an experiment with a rabies virus to show that it causes anything because they've never even shown it exists. Okay. Okay. Number two, they can't give you a definition of what the disease actually is. So is it foaming at the mouth? Well, some animals foam at the mouth, others don't. Some act aggressive, others don't. So there's no definition of this disease, which is itself weird, because how do you do a study on something you can't define? Okay. Now, let me ask you another thing. So here's the observation. This animal who's acting strangely bites me and I get sick. Right. Yes. That's the only part of this story that any person has observed. They've never observed a rabies virus. They've never tried to isolate it. They've never observed a genome. The average person only thinks, um, you know, I, I, I have this animal who's acting funny. I got bit. I got sick. Now, again, if you got if you want to make a claim that if somebody hits you in the head with a hammer, it's going to make your head hurt and a, a dent, right? Yes. Okay, George, I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to whack you with my toolbox in the head. There. I proved that you, that that hammers if you hit somebody with a on the head with a hammer, you is that true or no? No. Why not? There's a hammer, I think, in the toolbox. Right. Could have been anything else. Okay. Is there anything else in a, a angry dog's bite that might make somebody sick? hundred percent. Like enzyme. I mean, dogs can digest a whole rabbit, right? They eat lots of terrible have, things. Yeah, they have strong enzymes. How about fear? That makes people sick. You can prove that. It hmm. is a terrifying experience to get bitten by a really angry dog. I don't know yeah. if you've ever had that. Well, I've just heard that 
rabies will kill you. So I'd be, I'd be really scared myself. Yes. So we have terror. We have the, we have physical maceration of your tissue. We have in the injection into your body of very potent enzymes, right? Like I didn't say that getting bitten by a, re- a snake doesn't, you know, that can make you sick too. And most, it turns out, if you actually do the studies, which I've actually gone and looked at them, even then most people don't die, except when they have the rabies vaccine and the rabies treatment, and then they die. Okay. Now, you can't prove that it's a virus from being bitten by a dog, right? No. Any more than you can say it's a it's a hammer if you get hit with a toolbox. Fair. So if you say it's a a specific claim, you've got to find that virus in that saliva. And I can tell your listeners right now, if anybody thinks I'm wrong, send me the study showing they've isolated the virus, easy to do, every virology lab can do, found the virus in the saliva of one animal, I will publicly go on your show and say I was incorrect because I am 100% sure that doesn't exist. Same scenario, same conversation with the chlamydia? So is the only thing that happens if you have sex with somebody a a that you contacted a virus which by the way you can't find in their vaginal secretions is that the only thing that could have possibly happened there of course not there's no friction there's no emotional thing there's no conflicts there's no nothing there's no intimacy issues there's nothing but a virus is that true? No, certainly there's an unknown number of additional variables that could be present in that scenario. Right. And so when you're faced with that situation, you have to do a proper study showing if you have these people who are sick and they have physical contact, like they've done it with, with AIDS and they've done it with other sexually transmitted disease. Let me make another uh, claim to your to your listeners, show me one study showing that any sexually transmitted disease is communicable, and I will come back and say that I'm wrong. There's no now, studies that actually prove it. No, there are st- <laughs> there are studies that show that people have symptoms, but they can't sh- uh, demonstrate that it's a, a virus or that it's communicable in the way that an infectious disease would be. And if they did controls, they find that it's not. Now, there's a very interesting story with with syphilis, which has been investigated. It's like the granddaddy of sexually transmitted diseases. In, In the 1800s, especially in prostitutes, it was rampant. So they basically took up women who had a lesion, these were prostitutes, and they often would have lesions just from, you know, too much sexual activity. And they said, oh, that's this bacteria, and we're going to treat it with mercury. 
because that was the treatment for syphilis. Turns out mercury concentrates in the vaginal secretions. So the next guy comes along and he has sex with her and the mercury causes lesions on his penis. And then the 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 uh, the mer- then he goes to the doctor, gets mercury treatment too, which then concentrates in the semen. So he has sex with the next woman and she gets lesions in her vagina because of mercury poisoning. And this went spread all throughout Europe because they treated everybody with mercury. And if you look at the symptoms of syphilis, there's like four stages and then put it next to the symptoms of chronic mercury poisoning, it is exactly the same. So sometimes it's difficult to figure out like what happened here, like you wouldn't necessarily know that, uh, that but that was what was happening. They were <clears throat> poisoning people with mercury and that was being essentially exposed on down the line. So you could say, is that communicable? I mean, sort of, right? Because you're you're having a physical contact with a toxin, which we know creates those symptoms. Fascinating stuff. Lots of very, very thought-provoking things. And you've given us a step-by-step reasoning for why it is that you feel the way that you feel. And I can't I can't agree more with the uh the importance of just because you don't know something to be definitively true does not mean that it's accurate. So what, 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 what was the thing that you told us at the top? The most you don't have to know what is true. But to think be- about is, is, uh, is to investigate claims. This is caused by this. You don't have to know what causes it to, to investigate a claim. That is the essence of logical, rational, scientific thinking. And that's what we don't have. We assume there's got to be a virus and then there's, they go from there. We assume it's transmitted between people or animals and we go from there. That is the foundational claim. You don't have to say, you know, people say, well, how come my Aunt Bessie got sick? You, that's not part of the conversation. That is a irrational, anti-scientific response to that inquiry. Excellent. Well, Tom, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn right. more about you? How can they dig deeper into your work? Uh, the best place is drtomcowan.com. Excellent. And we have all kinds of things happening there. Well, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Dr. Tom your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to drtomcowan.com and explore deeper into what we've been talking about today. And I mean, the more that we can dig into it ourselves and make up our own minds about things, I think that's better off that we will be. Thanks again, Tom. All right, George, take care. Until next time, remember. Do your part by doing your best.